It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Roaring. Each and every week, we talk some local sports topics, maybe a national sports topic or two. Our world-winning gambling segment that we're so good at. And, of course, the favorite segment of the show where you can ask me a question on anything. Literally anything it is. And you can go to Twitter and see it. Hashtag Ask Skinny Anything. Rick made it a trending, a trending hashtag, which still stuns me to this day. Rick, how are we on this fine day as we started to thaw out and everything's melting around us? I'm doing great, Skinny. How are you? I'm, I'm fabulous. I, I, I got a chance to walk outside yesterday and went, whoa, spring's right around the corner. Here we yeah, go, baby. That, that 59 just hits different after you've had it does. of snow. And, and can you imagine, I was, I, I'm, you know me, I'm a goofy, I, I love to watch the Weather Channel in the morning. It's just because I get tired of everybody else screaming at each other and I can't stand Sports Center and all that. So I usually that's my kind of way to ease into the day. How about this differential? Last week at this time, Dallas, Texas, or I'm sorry, Houston, Texas was minus two degrees. They're going to be 79 today. It's a bit you of a talk about talk about how that would hit you. I mean, you're right. That that always that, that that first day of like 59 or 60 after it's been so cold, it does. It feels like it's a thousand degrees. And the vice versa is when you come out of summer into fall, right? And that first 48 degree day feels like you need to put a a heavy coat and gloves on. I just can't imagine go from minus two in a week to 80. Woo. Yeah, that's that's extreme to say yes. the least. But see, when it, when it starts to do this, though, when you've had that little cold stretch and you've kind of been inside watching games and then the weather turns because you're outside, you're like, yep, March Madness, it's right around the corner. Oh, that I'm waiting. I'm, I'm going to finish this podcast with you. I'm going to finish my Xavier writing that I have left over from last night's game, which will be a lot of fun to do. Let me tell yeah, you. I'll bet. And then uh-huh. I am looking forward to taking the dog out and getting that first warm walk in. There you the go. Year. Like it's it's awesome. almost like a spring walk already. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Which, we'll talk a little bit more about that as the podcast goes on. But we had some good college hoops action last night, so we'll jump right into that. First, we'll start with Cincinnati. They overcame a rough start to beat Tulsa 70-69 thanks to some late-game heroics by Moeller grad Jeremiah Davenport. That came on the heels of the Bearcats' 90-52 loss at Houston on Sunday, which we talked about on our weekly college basketball podcast with Chad Brendel. Skinny, I ask you, does... The Bearcats bouncing back to win this one after the embarrassing loss on Sunday. Say anything about this team and John Brandon? I think it says a ton. Um, and listen, I know in that league you're able to have more bounce back wins than, and we'll get to Xavier in a minute or a Kentucky or a team in the Big Ten because you just don't have a lot of great teams in the American Athletic Conference. So you get, the, you get better opportunities for this. But at the same time, to lose the way they lost in a season where you've had some players opt out, um, the only light at the end of the tunnel is they have to win the conference tournament. You, you could have been a cash it in mode. It could have been, well, you know what? We battled through some stuff. We won a few games against bad teams and woe is us. And I heard John talk about that. And, and I've talked about that as a coach. I mean, there's, there's some games where you, your, your answer is one of two things. It can be woe is us and you can absolutely disintegrate or it can simply be, you know what? Sun's going to come up tomorrow, and I'm going to fight through this, and we're going to come back better for it, and we're going to improve from it. And and I do. I think it, I think it says a ton about John as a coach. I think it says a ton about those guys as players, um, and especially the way the game started. You talk about it could have been woe was us. It, it could have been a complete carryover meltdown, for goodness sakes. And it wasn't. Um, I, I heard our, our buddy Mo Egger um, a little bit yesterday, uh, Wednesday, make an analogy of what he wanted to see for, from UC. And I thought it was a good analogy, actually, is he, he his analogy was was Andy Dalton. 
He said, yeah, I heard him talk. You about can that. think what you want about Andy. He said, but he said, but the one thing I always admired about Andy is he could have the worst of games and just put it behind him and come back and have a really good game the next time out. And he drew the the one from the, the 2014 season where he had that awful Thursday night game with the 2.0. We called Andy Dalton 2.0, the Andy Dalton 2.0 passer rating game. And then, and he only mentioned the next game, but he then led him to three straight wins that really got the, that team back on track for the playoffs. And um, I think it says a lot about, it, said, it always said a lot about Andy to me, um, that he was able to compartmentalize and put it behind him and, and not not going to a, a, a funk or a shell. And, and I think it says a lot about those players in, in John Brandon that um, I, it could have really been easy to just say, we're done uh, as a player. I'm done. I, I, another week of practice. And I, you know, we don't have a lot left that we're not playing for an at large bid. And okay. I, I'll, I'll tune back in the week of the conference tournament, just cause that's when I only need to tune back in. And if we make a run great. If not, you know what? I'm done with this season anyway. No, I mean, they fought and they fought through it last night. Well, and let's face it. I mean, with the adversity they've faced, the guys leaving the team, Zach Harvey just leaving a week ago to kind of start this downfall and the Houston game, you're wondering where guys' heads are at and what right. the the status of that locker room is. So to see them really get behind in this one, 13-3, they're shooting terribly to start the game, you're wondering, oh man, how bad is this going to get over the next few weeks as, as they bring the season to a close and and move into the offseason. And then, man, you've really got to give those guys credit. And I think the the one good thing, and who knows what will happen in the offseason when we get to the transfer portal and everything, but you're looking at this roster trying to figure out what do you have to build off of in the immediate future for John Brandon because he's got to start turning this thing around at some point. And right now I think a lot of people are saying, well, there's a lot of work still needs to be done. There's going to have to be – transfers brought in there's no recruits yet for next year so they're going to have to figure some stuff out and there's no doubt about that but i'm still in the process of looking like okay who's it who's the guys that you're leaning on as your core guys going forward and i think one thing that's become very clear to me is david julius is one of those guys for sure but jeremiah davenport has really solidified himself as kind of the heart and soul of this group for john and I mean, I, I know we've talked about it before, but I just would have never had him pegged as that type of guy going in. Uh, no, I, I always thought, I, again, I, I, I've mentioned it, haven't watched him play a lot in high school. I, I thought he was a, a good get for UC, but I thought it was more of a, hey, this would be a nice 15 to 18 minute game role player type guy. Um, but like, watching him in high school, I go back to this. Like, he played on a team with Jackson Hayes and, and yes, and he played on a team with Miles McBride. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so those things help. But I remember state tournament time, he was the leader of, of a team that had Miles McBride and Jackson Hayes. And listen, sometimes that in high school is different, right? There's different alphas and et cetera. But he not only led, he, he led in every way possible in those games. And that always told me something. That's where when he initially committed to Wright State, I thought, that's a good get for them, man. They've, they've got a good player. Then he, you know, obviously decommitted and went the prep school route and, and went back into to getting recruited. I'm real um, glad he's not at Wright State for the record. I know you are because I'm telling you what, how about him in that league with that skill set? That'd be a problem. A huge problem. I mean, he is the perfect Horizon League wing that could just dominate games. So, yeah, I, I think he has become kind of the heart and soul of this team. I, I he, he needs to get a little bit better with some decision-making and some other stuff, but for the most part, he just he plays with a, with a great motor. He's just got a, a nice skill set that, that allows him to do a little bit of everything, and he's got a little alpha in him. Yeah, and, and I almost looked at that as kind of an indictment on this team for a lot of the year, especially earlier on, that he was having to play such a significant role. And it probably does say something about 
them that they're relying on him so heavily this early on. But at the same time, he's made enough plays now and the, the one against Tulsa being the, the most recent one that he's proven it to me. He's he's a legit guy. He he gives them a lot. And and I think he's going to be well, not he's going to be. He has to be an important piece for them going into next year. They don't really have any other options. Agreed. Um, but at least you have a building block there and a guy who can, you know, whatever guys you bring in can can maybe set a little bit of a tone of, hey, I know he's up your ass today, guys, but, it's, you know, he, he means bad. He means the best. And if you'll just shut up and listen, we're, we're going to get there. So I think you got to have that guy, too, that can kind of steer the ship right. It can't always be the coach, right? It's got to be some players along the way that know what the coach is meaning by what he's saying, um, that he's been through some of the tough times with that coach and some of the good times with that coach. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an important piece for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have him, you have DeJulius, and you have Tari Eason going into next year, those are kind of your three main guys that you're looking at, and and whatever else you can piece together around them, uh, that's that's kind of the game plan moving forward. But Deontay you know, Miles, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. <laughs> no, Adam Kunkel was just coming to oh, Xavier yeah, right. for this one year because UC didn't have a spot, so he was doing a sit-out right. year at Xavier and then transfer to UC. There we go. Um, at least well, that was I mean, the rumor I, no, on Chad's board. But, but I, I mean, honestly, the, the, the kid from Robert Morris, I know had been talked about, right? Yeah. I don't know. Brahma? That, yeah. I don't know that AJ Brahma is a great fit just because he's a mid range guy. He loves the mid range and in John's offense, it's three or, or shots around the rim. So I, I don't know if that's going to be a guy they go on. Plus he's getting a lot of interest as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they've 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 got to figure something out in terms of personnel. There's no doubt about it, but I, in, in the, current immediate picture i am impressed with the way that they bounced back yeah yes absolutely all right on the other side of town xavier dropped its third game out of its last four wednesday night as the musketeers fell at providence 83 to 68 xu now sits at 12 and 5 overall and 5 and 5 in conference play with three games to go skinny what concerns you most about this xavier team over the last few weeks um, the, the lack of consistency either way, um, you know, I, I think that was that they got the defense back against Butler and maybe they did, but I think we can all understand Butler's without three of their main guys, or maybe arguably their three main guys. And the way they shot it, was that a product of Xavier's defense or is that a product of them just not shooting well, not being able to go very deep and legs getting tired? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, the defensive end has to be a concern now, Rick. And, um, you know, maybe it's a philosophical thing. Uh, you and I were talking off the air. You know, the pack line defense sounds good in theory and, and maybe in the day it was, but the more offenses have evolved into into stretching the floor out and, 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 uh, and, and putting shooters on the floor, um, maybe that's not the, the right defense any longer. Maybe that just doesn't work any longer. Um, you, you really maybe are beholden to the fact of, well, I sure hope the other team doesn't make shots. Well, okay. I mean, is this a game of horse or is this a game of, of guarding people? Um, okay. So you're giving up, you're giving up drives, but you're then giving up open threes. And in today's basketball, the analytics tell you what, <laughs> take the three or take the layup. Um, I'm a big mid range guy. guy. I, I still think it's, it's, there's a part of it, but I fully understand the analytics of it. I fully appreciate it and get it. Um, so if that's the case, then doesn't your defense need to evolve a little bit there too? I mean, is this a toughness thing or is this a philosophical thing? Well, I think there's some questions that definitely need to be asked in that regard. And 
I'm not saying the pack line defense can't work because obviously it can. Virginia won a national championship just a few years ago playing pack line defense, but also got but but also got beat the year before by a 16 seed. That's right. But they were into the modern era of basketball is my point of people shooting threes and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that it can't work. It clearly but they were can, also they were that 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 team that won it all, though, also. And I'm not and I'm not trying to disagree with you, but that team also was pretty good offensively too. that Virginia team. Oh, tremendous offensively. I, and you have to be to to win a national championship. You got to be balanced on both sides. Sure. But the the in terms of the pack line defense and its place in today's game, I tend to agree with you to a certain extent. I was never a big fan of it to begin with. And and the other side of that is they they tandem that pack line defense with the hard hedging of ball screens a lot, which it just it leaves you so susceptible to an easy throwback. And it's like, yes, there is a, a recovery mechanism in place for all of that, but it is so, but it, but it comes hard. late. It, it's so it hard comes to pull off. Right. It's late. It's so hard to pull off properly. This has been a problem, a consistent problem going all the way back to the Sean Miller days when Richmond and St. Louis and those teams had stretch forwards who always seemed to beat Xavier with throwbacks after ball screens because of this same exact situation where and that, and that, and that's asking the, your bigs to, to cover so much ground. It puts them in almost an impossible spot. And that's the easy read for the guard to coming off the ball screen. It's I've got my first read of myself, my second read of a roller or a popper. And my third quick read is throwing it back. And it's, it's not, you know, it's not like he's got to see the floor and, 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 and whatnot. He, he knows that's his next read. That's, his, that's his next option. And it's really an easy option. Yeah. It's funny because uh, Xavier or uh, NKU rather played green Bay a few weekends ago and green Bay has, Will Ryan, the son of Bo Ryan now as their head coach. So with him, he brought the pack line defense and, um, you know, the swing offense. And it's funny because watching him play the pack line and they were hard hedging ball screens too. When we're talking about keys to the game before the game, I said, watch NKU to look for a lot of throwbacks off of ball screen actions tonight with David Bam, because he's a six, nine pick and pop type guy and or who you hasn't shot more than shooter. who hasn't shot more than two twos all year right uh, well no i mean he's he's played inside a lot too but he, but he is a he stretch guy yeah yeah and, and so I, I mean sure enough you know they start off the game but they're looking for that right away and it's kind of like it, it's just so obvious that like everyone knows that's how you're going to exploit that defense and in today's game that's shooting the three if you if you ask teams would they take a, a wide open three-pointer off a throwback off a ball screen action they're going to take that 10 out of 10 times in today's game. Like teams aren't waiting around for a better shot than a wide open three pointer, even if it's with a four man or a stretch five, what have you. So, yeah, I mean, I think you really need, if you're going to play that defense, you have to be so committed to that being your system and your style. And you sure as hell better be a great defensive rebounding team, which Xavier has not been now for the last three years. And you have to make sure you don't foul and put the other team at the free throw line, which they do a really good job of. And you just got to make sure you're putting yourself in a great position because you're not taking any risks. You're not getting the benefit of creating yeah, turnovers. There's no, there's no li- yeah, there's no live ball turnovers. Yeah, blocking shots with rim protectors. That's not how they play. So you really have to be committed. And it seems like to a certain extent, right now Xavier is in a bit of an identity crisis. Steele was moving towards a team with more skill, a team with IQ, a team that could ping the ball around on offense and shoot threes. We saw that play out in the Oklahoma game, right? That worked great then. It worked great against Marquette when they scored all those points. But now when they've kind of hit some adversity here, and granted, Nate Johnson is one of their better shooters was out, which didn't play tougher on the offensive end. But it's like he reverts to wanting to be a defensive-minded team when 
it's pretty clear when Xavier is at their best this year, they are a team that's going to outscore you and outshoot you and get the ball moving around on offense. And it's like they're sacrificing that strength on offense to try to be better on defense when that's still not a strength. Even when they try to put their best defensive line about there, they just don't seem to be built for toughness in defense this year. The last two years, yes. When they had Tyreek Jones and Najee Marshall and Quentin Gooden, yes. But th- this team, it's a different team. And I- I'm I'm with you, Sky. I think there are some questions that need to be asked philosophically about, is this the way we're going to continue to play? What's our identity, both in, in the micro right now for the rest of this season, but also then moving forward as you go into the offseason? If, if well, because it affects your recruiting. Yeah, exactly. And and you've got a couple face-up big men. They're more athletic and more mobile too. So maybe they can move around a little bit more and hard hedge and recover better. I, th- there's, there's a lot of things that need to be discussed there, but I am surprised in that game last night, we didn't see them do more to, to change what they were doing in terms of the ball screen coverage. They did try to switch it at one point um, when they moved Jason Carter back onto Horkler instead of Fremantle. And then they forgot to switch it and left him wide open again. So, I mean, there, there's a lot going on there in terms of their their breakdowns last night. It was kind of a failure at every level. But, yeah, there are certainly some questions that need to be asked about their style of play going forward and their identity in that regard. But then on the other side, the, the big conversation coming out of that game, Skinny, is just the usage of the bench. A lot of people uh, want Kiki Tandy to play more. Some people want Daniel Ramsey to play more. I personally think C.J. Wiltshire should be playing more minutes because to me, he gives you the the most IQ and offense. And, and I think you can trust him now. Granted he's, he's got some li- or some limitations on the defensive end, but to me, he's been the most solid in terms of whether you're looking for him or Kiki Tandy to give you some offense off the bench. Yeah. How, how much of it do you think it is just for Kiki Tandy? That's just, I don't want to call it resentment that just for whatever reason. And I, 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 I understand this. Um, that he just doesn't want to do it the coach's way. And you get to the point of, all right, if you don't want to do it my way, I just, I can't play you. Yeah. I think for a lot of the the season, that's, that's what it was. You know, he didn't seem committed to doing what they were asking and, and really playing hard on the defensive end and, and buying in on that end and, and just sharing the ball on offense, not necessarily taking shots that were going to hurt the team or making bad decisions. I do think he's made a more concerted effort here recently. And Steele said he's had his best weeks of practice recently. But, I mean, if you're watching the game, when he got in last night, he was not good. I mean, no, right. he does not look like a guy capable of helping. I'm surprised so many fans keep clamoring for him to play. And I understand the idea that, look, other guys are struggling too. But, I mean, he's a walking turnover and bad decision on the offensive end right now. And he's lost on defense. I don't know. I don't really understand what fans. Yeah, that doesn't. See in that doesn't yeah, that, that that doesn't scream more minutes because he was because he was a highly rated recruit, right? Not, I mean, not not highly highly, but highly rated enough. And you thought you glimpses of a can score the ball, and he just. I've never I've never liked this game, Rick. I go back to watch him in high school. I just have never liked this game. Last year he came in and he gave them some some flashes of brilliance when they desperately needed offense, but they were also kind of a team that just didn't have much flow on the offensive end. And it was like, hey, if if another guy can isolate on the opposite side of Najee Marshall and just put his head down and go get you a bucket, so be it. That'll work for us right now. And that's not how this team is playing. And Kiki is clearly lost some of his confidence and probably a lot of that has to do with him not playing as many minutes, but he's not giving you those types of flashes when he checks into the game right now. And more often than not, he's hurting you in multiple ways and just a short little stint. So 
yeah, I, I really can't advocate for him getting more minutes. I don't understand where that sentiment's coming from. But if people want to tell me like CJ Wilcher should be playing more, I definitely think you need to be trying something differently than just running Jason Carter out there for 35 minutes a game. But I, I would definitely agree with fans that think that there's no question that the four spot is their weakness right now. Uh, they missed on that in recruiting. Colby Jones, I think, is versatile enough to play that position. They can play him there some if they want to go small, and they can also bring C.J. Wilcher in and play him there if they want to go small too. So I think they need to make some of those considerations. People that want Daniel Ramsey to play, I, I get it to an extent, but the kids barely even practiced in two years because of health issues. I just don't know that you can rely on that guy and must win games right now. I don't know that that's going to help you. The guy who knows the system the least is going to give you a boost on the defensive end when you need it. I'm not real sure about that. You know, all right, let's talk about NCAA tournament prospects and in the big East tournament real quickly. Um, I'm assuming, and and I put you on the spot here. I realize um, are are they doing the seating? I'm assuming by percentage in the league. Yes, they are doing win percentage and Xavier is eligible for a buy and everything. uh, Yeah. So so they, so they're sitting at fifth with a 500 winning percentage. St. John's and Providence are both one game under 500 below them. And UConn is ahead of them at eight and six. And looking at UConn's schedule, remaining schedule, they've got probably two victories on it with Marquette and, um, um, and Georgetown at home. Uh, they do have to play at Seton Hall. So let's assume two and one for them gets them 10 and seven. Um, I can go either way with how Xavier goes down the stretch. I, I have a hard time believing they lose at Georgetown. Um, so I'll give them the layup victory there, but obviously Creighton at home is going to be a tough game. And at Marquette, especially with what Marquette just did to North Carolina, maybe they start getting some confidence. Um, you know, one and two then puts you in a, in a, in a weird spot. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, it just feels like this is slipping away really quickly. And I didn't think it was going to devolve into this. Well, they lost the piece of their resume that was intriguing, right? The fact that they didn't have losses. Right, right, early right. On. You know, when we right. were talking about this a few weeks ago, it's like well, they don't have big wins. And it's like, yeah, but the fact that they've, you know, sitting at three losses is going to look good at the end of the year if you can really get through the rest of the schedule unscathed. We knew that was unlikely. The problem is now the, the losses are starting to pile up a little bit. The three of your last four, well, now what do you really have in terms of your resume? A pretty good win over Oklahoma. And that's about it. You know, it's it's the, the metrics aren't adding up in Xavier's favor anymore. The loss column doesn't look as good as it once did. And that makes the Creighton game pretty paramount. Yeah, I, I mean, not, Creighton, not just not just to get in, but to solidify getting in, I guess. Yeah, if, if you win the Creighton game, then you're feeling really good about yourself and you're pretty much solidified your spot in the tournament. I think if you don't win the Creighton game, well, you can't lose a two on top of what's going on right now. You, you got you to win the other two. I mean, if you go one and two down the stretch, then you're looking at needing to make a run in the Big East tournament, I think, um, wow. at least winning maybe two games there. So I, 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 I think Xavier is about where they were expected to be before the year. Everyone was a little shocked when they were picked seventh in the Big East, and I don't know that they're quite seventh, but I don't think there's really much difference between fourth and seventh. No, right, you know? that's right. And they're somewhere right in there. Uh, and that's uh, unfortunately, you, you, and that's UConn at UConn at fourth, and Providence and uh, and St. John sitting at seven, right? So, yeah, I think I think that's where things are at right now. They are still the last ten seed on bracket matrix. I think a lot of people are kind of yes. dropping them down to that 11, 12 line. They're getting and towards that, the, and that gets you in scary territory. The last team in, but you also got to look at some of the teams that you're you're talking about that they're battling with. It's it's Drake, Seton Hall, St. Bonaventure, Indiana, Colorado State, Minnesota. UConn. I mean, you're, you're talking about some teams that 
aren't exactly tearing it up right now. You know, the, the bubble's the bubble for a reason. They're not out of it, but uh, they are definitely in a, a precarious spot all of a sudden. No question. Skinny, one more college basketball topic real quick here. Uh, I want to talk a little NKU basketball before they get set to head into the postseason. The Norse lost 70% of its scoring from last season, 50% of the rebounding, and 60% of their assists. They they finished this regular season thirteen and ten overall, eleven and seven in conference play. They were third in the standings and earned the fourth seed through the Horizon League's inexplicable arbitrary <laughs> seeding process. Does NKU still have more to accomplish for this season to be considered success? In your opinion, no, um, no, I think it, it is a success. Um, I mean, you're still in a one bid league. I mean, I guess you could argue um, get to the semis. You know, I think that'd be a nice accomplishment. Get to Banker's Life. You know, you finish the regular season the way you did, and then you get to the semis and kind of solidify that. And then you feel like, hey, we're just two more wins away. But no, I mean, listen, at NKU, and I, 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 I think we talked about this earlier in the year when they were struggling a little bit. I mean, you're just you're not having year in year out major success. It's just really really hard. You kind of have to have those. You're going to have probably a gap year somewhere in there um, to where you're, you know, you've had a great junior senior class run um, that got you to a tournament or two or got you to a regular season title and a, and a, and a tournament. Um, and then that group is out and then you got some gaps to fill and it's going to take you another year. And this is kind of a gap fill year, but in a gap fill year, um, they've gotten a ton better as the year's gone on, um, you know. I know you didn't feel good about going into the right state weekend and um, they they did all they 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 needed to do and more, in my opinion. I mean, win a game and then you know play another tooth and nail game with clearly, and I think you'd agree, clearly the best team in the league from a roster perspective. Yeah, it's not even uh, close. Yeah, right. And and so you did that. You know, this was I think that was kind of the icing on the cake to me of solidifying. Hey, this team has really turned the corner. And the good part is when you are in a one bid league, this is kind of how you have a chance to kind of build towards the end. You don't have to start worrying about boy, I wish we hadn't screwed up earlier in the year from a wins and losses perspective. No, you did. You weren't ready to win. Your young guys weren't ready to, to do that. Didn't know how to do that. And now I, if I'm NKU, I'm feeling pretty good going into this conference term, especially it, it, it feels kind of fortunate where they got the four seed and, and, uh, and, and Cleveland state got the one seed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that matchup is much better for them than having to face right state a third time here. Really in Quickly. really short succession. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think to your point, you, you go back and you think about this offseason that you don't really have. And when you have a young team and and even just guys like Trayvon Faulkner who are going from your fourth option on offense to your number one option on offense, it's a big offseason for a guy like him. So you basically get no offseason or nothing like the usual offseason that you would have. Then you don't get to play your normal non-conference schedule, which would have three, four layup type games that, you know, might not necessarily be quote unquote buy games at NKU's level. It might be a, a home and home type situation or a team that's coming in to get bought by Xavier and going to make a stop at NKU on their way out of town, something like that they've done in the past, but you're going to have a few games in there that are very winnable games for you to, to get guys comfortable, to get some confidence going things that really help you get up to speed as a young team. And they didn't have that this year. They played Ball State. They played Dayton. They played Kent State. They played good teams, and they played Chattanooga at Chattanooga. They played good teams in their non-conference schedule, 
And then they jump right into conference play and they, they hit some adversity for sure. When they were on the four game losing streak and they dropped back-to-back games at home to IUPUI, everyone was certainly questioning where this year was headed. And yeah. And and, and, and that was, that was, that was that at that point. Yeah. At that point, it was what I expected. I was thinking, okay, yeah, this is, this is about as rough as I, I thought it would be this year. And it's a rebuilding season and that's fine. But now all of a sudden you, you make this turnaround and one, I'm not so sure that they had a, if they would have had a regular off season and, and lead up to the season and, and pre non-conference slate that they wouldn't be the second best team in the conference once again. And also to, to your point that you started with where NKU is going to have these down years, I'm starting to wonder with what we saw John do. And now what we've seen Darren Horn do with this quick transition and, and the success he's had in this weird year that was also supposed to be a rebuilding year for NKU. Are we so sure that NKU can't be, one or two in this conference every single season, maybe. barring a coaching change. And granted, yeah, maybe, maybe you'll have quick, quicking ch- coaching changes than you'd like at, at a higher level. But I, I'm not so sure that NKU, based on the facilities, based on what they've done in, in recent memory, and based on their recruiting grounds and what they've been able to do there, that they're not in position to be at the top of this conference year in and year out. By, by the way, did, did, did anybody know Marquez's work was this good? No. I mean, the, the, the coaching staff knew he was really good. They told us all along that he was going to be the guy out of the recruiting class. But in terms of other schools that were recruiting him, no, I don't think anyone had a clue. Could he help Kentucky? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, his I'm frame serious. is so slight. That's the one thing about him. He is so skinny that moving up some levels, like I think about a guy like Paul Scruggs guarding him, and I'm fascinated to see what that would look right. like. Because he right. is giving up so much size and strength that you can get away with it a little bit easier at this level that being said the kid is special i mean he's just yeah. unfazed by anything yeah that's that and that that's the thing too is um and that's why i say you're gonna occasionally have a dip uh, i just don't know if you always hit home runs right in in recruiting um but, but you i don't a know major if they home need with this to kid. looking at what okay, they're doing and maybe with this coaching staff and, and maybe that's what it is maybe you need to have coaches like john brandon and darren horn and and maybe it'll be tough to always bring in the, the right hire but like I'm I'm looking at what they've done with this team, and I'm just I'm to the point. NKU is the only team that proved a win over Wright State wasn't a fluke. The other three teams that beat them in this conference, they lost by 35 plus points in the other game of the back-to-back series. So, to me, like I just I'm not so sure NKU is not the second best team right now in their rebuilding year. And that piles on to the way they played over the last month on top of it. I mean, that, that was kind of, like I said, the icing on the cake of been playing really well, playing really well, playing really well, playing really well. Oh, here comes the behemoth. And you, again, you played really well. <laughs> so that, that to me, I'm with you. I, and the fact that, that, that the way the, the, the goofy seating came down, I think you got a little bit of a schedule break there too. Yeah, no, I agree. So, I mean, to, to, so no, I don't think they need to actually win anymore for this season to be considered a success the way they finished it off. I mean, you're looking forward. You've got uh, Trayvon Faulkner can come back for two more years. If he wants based on the NCAA, giving everyone an extra year of eligibility, you've got all of the young guys that played a big role with David Bam, Marquez Warwick, Trey Robinson played a big role. And then even the two walk-ons Jake Evans and Noah Hoopman who are playing significant minutes as freshman walk-ons. You've got five guys. Look, I'm not against that. I'll just be very clear. I'm not against that idea at all. Um, There's and this coaching staff has clear. I think if you if you're not pleased with the job they've done in year two, you know, there's a lot to be excited about going forward for NKU. So I think this year was considered a success already. If they win a game and get back to Indianapolis for the semifinals, then that's icing on the cake to me.
Should he have been coach of the year or did Cleveland State's guy, in your opinion, earn it? I think Dennis Gates deserved it. They yeah, they, they yeah. really did a great job all year, but man, I, I would have Darren Horn second. I mean, they were yeah, right yeah. there. That turnaround was was pretty impressive. Yep, agreed. All right, Skinny, let's switch gears to a little Bengals talk. Tuesday was the first day NFL teams could franchise tag players on their roster. No moves have been made yet, but the Bengals have a few potential candidates for the franchise tag, namely Carl Lawson and William Jackson. So I'll ask you, do you think the Bengals should franchise tag either Carl Lawson or William Jackson? That's a good question, man. I I, I got asked that in a radio interview with Tony Pike the other day, and I said no, and I'm changing my opinion a little I'd probably do William Jackson and I've not looked at the valuation of where he would be. I, I just, to me, he still has, he still is a quality corner. He's not gotten to the point where I, I thought he was going to get to after that first year of playing where I thought he had a chance to be elite. I don't think he's elite, but I also think if you let William Jackson walk, you're down to, and you don't have McKenzie Alexander yet. I think they'll try to resign him. You're really down to only two corners of any value on your roster Trey Waynes and Darius Phillips and Trey Waynes is coming off of an injury um, I think it's imperative to at least lock up a third corner and then go sign Mackenzie Alexander again if you want or find another nickel corner out there that, that you can go sign and obviously draft one fairly high that that can make an impact as a backup so I'm going to say I, I think I tag Will I know everybody's more in the tagging Carl camp uh, Carl's going to come at about an roughly an $18 million evaluation um, to, to, to get tagged. And I just, I'm sorry. I don't see the productivity. I know what he did from a quarterback pressure standpoint. He was, I think seventh in the NFL in quarterback pressures, but he only had five and a half sacks. And yes, some of it is those pressures are supposed to create opportunities for others to record sacks. So I do fully understand that. And they just don't have players really capable of, of that, especially if you force a quarterback up in the pocket, the tackles just, you know, when reader went out and Geno Atkins was not Geno Atkins, you just, you're playing with just, just guys in there. So I do fully get that, but for 18 mil, I, I need a guy coming off of a double digit sacks. I, I need a playmaker. And, and I just don't think Carl is, I think Carl's a nice piece. I think he's a he's a starting level piece. I think to his credit, he proved he's a three down end in this league as opposed to just a a pass rusher. I, I'm just I think that corner. I, I'd I'd rather go try to find somebody on the market or in, or, or in the draft or or whatever to to get my extra edge rusher. I just I'm not paying that kind of money for that lack of productivity. Yeah, there's no way you pay for Carl Lawson in my opinion. I that he's not a difference maker. I mean, he's just not an 18 million. You, you got to be getting the difference maker at the position. And I'm not ready to say William Jackson is a difference maker either at, at cornerback. I just think corners I, are so hard to find, man. Well, there's that. And I think the loss of William Jackson could be a, a game changer for the Bengals this year. If because of what you said, all of a sudden you have very little depth and you're, you're going to have to find a big name to replace him. And that's a new guy coming into a new system who's going to have to relearn everything. Like, I think maybe just sticking with the known commodity and William Jackson, who's not elite by any stretch of the imagination, but is certainly a starting quarterback in this league. I think that's where you have to roll here. And, and I do think he's probably worth franchise tagging just because of the damage it could do if you let him get away and you don't replace him properly. Yeah, I mean, you saw that as last year. A couple of the games where they were down to the LaShawn Simses of the world. It gets um, ugly, man. It gets really ugly fast. Yeah. I mean, really ugly fast. The drop-off is significant, and I just I don't trust them that 
Uh, again, it's such a big offseason. You have to do so much on the offensive line. I don't trust them to be securing a, another starting defensive back too that that can be your your go-to guy there. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think I think you lock in William Jackson and you let Carl Lawson go. Yep. Also on the Bengals side, I wanted to ask you about real quick, uh, director of strategy and engagement, which I just learned was a thing and learned of this person's existence this week. Elizabeth Blackburn released a bangles.com editorial article Wednesday titled simply the vision Blackburn, who says her background is in management consulting and private equity is the eldest grandchild of Bengals owner and president Mike Brown. Among the items discussed in her editorial piece were the Ring of Honor, which she all but confirmed, yes. New Jersey's, bringing the team's do. graphics and video creation in-house with the social media and creative department for better social content, new perks for ticket holders, and the organization's mission statement, which we just found out for the first time, which skinny. They want to win. They want to win. Let me know if you, if you think this jives. The Bengals strive to be a championship football team with a culture built on high standards and competitive hunger. We connect players, fans, and partners into one team to create an enduring legacy in Cincinnati. And Elizabeth Blackburn says that they recite that at the beginning of every meeting, regardless of what they're doing, which really just sounds like my favorite cult in the city of Cincinnati. Um, Hang on on a minute. Hang on a minute. Skitty, what did you make of Elizabeth Blackburn's editorial? Sorry, I'm back, Rick. I had to make a quick run to the restroom right there. Man, okay. man. No worries. Uh, hang on. What? God, give me a freaking break. Honestly, how about hire a real general manager, some real football people, and build a damn winning football team? Stop talking about that crap. Partnerships? I don't... Ooh, man, that this is the kind of stuff in corporate America that just makes me want to puke. And this is every corporation does this nonsense. They give you a bunch of mumbo jumbo crap. It's watch my left hand because my right hand doesn't know what it's doing. Okay, I'm watching your left hand and it ain't doing much either. Listen, great for the ring of honor. Great for the new uniforms. Great for some of the perks for fans. Those are all well and good. Don't tell me you're trying to build a winning culture. Build it. Have it. Stop being a mom and pop shop and go do things that real NFL teams do. Don't write about it. Do it. If anybody read that and actually went, oh, boy, I really have a new appreciation for the Bengals. You've got to be freaking kidding me, man. Gee, my knee. Well, do you think we're stupid? Do you people do you people think the rest of this city's stupid? Yes, they they most certainly do. I can't wait to buy my canopy crazy so I can get my, my stupid T-shirt. you got to be kidding me. For, for the record, they might not be wrong about that considering people continue to, to spend money on this franchise and go to games. But well, that's the- well honestly, uh, <laughs> they, they better hold it. I think you're seeing all these new ticket initiatives because I think they're scared to death that they're not going to have that. Well, Skinny, there's a new fan canopy coming. Yeah, that's right. The canopy crazies, baby. Yeah, so, I mean, just respect, get 10% respect off the, the jungle, shop. please. Get 10% um, off the pro shop and I get myself a hot dog and a Coke. Look, okay. I don't. I don't Buy have. Me up. I don't have an I issue. That team with- out there sucks, but you know what? I got my free hot dog and coke. <laughs> Let's have a great Sunday, everybody. Hell, half those people with the hot dog and coke are probably have. They're going to get so loaded that they won't even know what the hell they're eating and drinking anyway. Well, that goes for most of the stadium at NFL games. Yeah, I'd say point. at this point. 
Uh, I don't have an issue with any of the things that she's talking about in here, really, in terms of like the Ring of Honor, which everyone wanted. No, I, uh, I, I'm with all. I said it. Those are all great. Yeah, New Jersey's are what they are. Uh, the idea that they are finally spending some more money on like their social media. That's good for people in our industry. I'm happy that, you know, so a videographer is going to get paid to, to be the team's videographer in-house. Like, that's all good stuff. I have no issues with any of that. I, I think where it gets lost, and this goes back to what you're saying, is they they try to tie that stuff into the team and like this is a, a again the new day you know like yeah we'll slap some some branding on this and we'll tell you about these changes we're making and act like that has to do with our winning culture as a franchise and look it's all mumbo jumbo this stuff isn't connected to the football people this has nothing to do with the gm but like you said don't don't try to get into this as like this is our franchise statement and this is what we base our winning culture on and then tell us about ticket sales and how right, you're going right. to make the game day experience better like that those you two know you know you know, you know I, I would tell you this if you polled most fans you know what that makes the game day experience great do you know what makes it really great a win once in a while a win yes a win that's what makes it great listen man i i, I get every time that things are going bad you're trying to reboot you had the Marvin Lewis reboot in 2011, and that did work because they did make the playoffs, didn't win a game, of course. Run on your playoffs. own gas. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. But they did. Make, so that there was a reboot there. Um, they thought they were rebooting with Zach Taylor. That's not gone so well. So now they realize fans are, 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 are pissed off probably more than ever. Um, uh, now we're going to try to rebrand ourselves one more time with the new uniforms and the Ring of Honor. And, and hey, we're committed to winning. And I think it's almost a point of, Boy, I sure hope the winning follows. We're going to do all these other things, and, and maybe that buys us a little goodwill, but boy, I sure hope the winning follows. Um, but, but the proven factor in three decades is it hasn't. It just, it just hasn't because you keep trying to do things the same way, and they don't work. They haven't worked. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't, I don't have any issue with over-communicating to fans, with trying to do better in those areas, but like the again, the, the seriousness and the gravity to which they gave this editorial and – Again, trying to intertwine the the winning culture of the football team with, you know, some cute things they're going to be doing on social media and New Jersey's like, shut up, like it, yeah. just stop, right. stop with that. Hey, if you if you want to run a little blog on the website, Elizabeth, and you want to tell us about the nice things that you're going to be doing this year, that's, that's great. great, that's, that's fine. fine. But don't tie don't, it to football. Yeah, don't don't give us the the mission statement of the organization. I tell you what, you know what I want okay. my mission statement to be is we're going to hire a real general manager and we're going to hire five new scouts and a full time personnel department. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, and the the other part of this where it's just like the the messaging to me gets totally lost and it becomes so just cheap is like when you're putting a link in to buy tickets. Yeah, telling people like don't no, miss that, on the opportunity to buy tickets. It's like come on, come on. Like if you're going that's to really what, try to communicate to the fan base like this, really do something. Really make it heartfelt. You try to tell them about your background, growing up as a little girl, being a fan, and all this yes, stuff. That well, was really great. Make it like that. Don't put a link yes. in there to buy tickets. Yes, that's all. That's all it looks like. That is, it's simply an absolute utter money grab of look at all the neat things we're doing. Please buy our tickets because I know we know you're mad at us. Yeah, it just became any the other fan press base, release listen, at that point. The fan base is going to be mad at you until you do <laughs> things different and build winners. It's 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 a pretty simple process. When you win, they have come. Pretty simple. That's right. Good grace. That, that, that's why that stuff, that, that stuff is so nauseating to me. Give me a break. At least I didn't curse this time. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. 
All right, hold on one second. I was uh, trying to bring up this Joel Luckup tweet. Uh, yeah, here we go. All right, Skinny, as we move to the Reds, I wanted to bring up a tweet from Red statistician Joel Luckup. Where, uh, he's, always, he, he's always got good nuggets, man. He really he, does. He really does. And on Wednesday, he sent out a tweet that said, the uh, total of Major League Baseball innings at shortstop in the last five seasons combined right now in the Reds camp. Hey, let me guess. I, and I, have not, I did not see the tweet. I was, who's, I was who's number one overall, do you think? On the Reds at shortstop. Oh, Eugenio Suarez by a mile. In the last five seasons. Oh, in the last five seasons. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hang on. It's not D. Strange Gordon because he hasn't really played it much since 2013. Who? I, I, I'll go Kyle Farmer. Incorrect. It's Jose Garcia at 157 okay, so, I mean, innings. He, he, he was my second guess, and I knew it was going to be a very minimal number. Yeah. Huh. Then D. Strange Gordon at 113. Kyle Farmer at 86.2, or 86 and two-thirds, excuse me. Uh, Alex Blandino at 60 and two-thirds. Eugenio Suarez, 24 and a third. That's less than 50 games of innings combined. Combined. Yeah. Uh, so that that kind of brings me to the point of this week, David Bell was asked about it. Eugenio Suarez was asked about the possibility of him moving back to shortstop some and, and giving the Reds another option. There's apparently some video of him taking some grounders that shortstop maybe. Now, yeah, in that, in that video, just in context too, Rick, and, and I think everybody that's a Reds fan saw it. I mean, there's plenty of times where you just line guys up at a, at a certain spot. Just to You're just on the left balls. half of the infield. Yes, right, yeah. right. And so I, I don't know if that – but but it did, it did bring intrigue when you saw it. That's for P- sure. People were making a deal out of it for certain. Uh, do you think the Reds should consider playing Suarez at shortstop again? Absolutely. Um, I know he's got to lose some weight. He's talked about – he has lost some, and he's, he, he's in the process of trying to lose a little bit more. He needs to be a little more agile. Listen, I'm in – I, I do I do believe defense is an extremely important part of baseball. But I also think there's an overrated component in today's day and age because of how many – back in the day, man, a, a pitcher would strike three, walk one, and throw 15 ground balls and, and, and eight fly balls, right? That, you, that, that was kind of the MO, the sinker slider guy. Now it's just rear back and throw and throw it by people. And that's what we've got now. We've got – I mean, how many of those little roses 11 strikeout games does it feel like the reds have at home every year it feels like almost every night they're in the eighth inning getting to that 11 strikeout total so you're getting now in these day and age of, of this day and age of baseball of of almost half the outs in a game are recorded by strikeouts and then there are a bunch of routine plays i mean is defense really as important as it used to be and i think the one thing it does and it's not like you're asking a guy to do something he has never done before Old boy came up as a shortstop. He's played actually a lot of games at shortstop. He's played a lot of, not in the last five years, just mentioned, but he's played a lot of games at shortstop. It's not like suddenly you're going, let's just try him there. No, he's, he's played there. Um, is he Ozzie Smith? No, I don't need him to be Ozzie Smith. I, I, I'd like to see it. I think that's the thing is don't be, don't be so rigid and not thinking you can, you can try this. I think in this year where you don't have one on your roster, and I think that then allows you to put Nick Senzel back in the lineup. Um, you know, maybe put Mustakas at third base where he's played a lot of games and a lot of innings, put Senzel at second, or Senzel came up as a third baseman, play him at third, leave Mustakas at second. And it allows you to get that bat in the lineup every day. It allows you then to, to alleviate some of the outfield glut. And, you know, Shogo Akiyama was really good the last month of last year, getting on base. And it seemed like he started to figure it out. So, you know, that gets him in the lineup every day. I, I 
I, I think it alleviates the issue of, 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 of offense to a big degree. It gets all the major bats in the lineup on a daily basis. And I, and I hate to be the guy, but I'll go back to, to when the Reds moved Pete Rose to third base. You knew Pete was not going to be a great third baseman, but it allowed you to get your best eight bats in the lineup with George Foster moving into the lineup. And yeah, I mean, there were Hall of Famers abound on that club too, but um, you knew you were sacrificing some defense to get all your good bats in the lineup. And that was in a day and age where there was a lot of ground balls hit. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of strikeouts in, in games. So to me, I, I just think, I, I think you have to be really open to that possibility. I, I'd almost say, let's see this thing play out in spring training and see where we go from there. Cause I fathom of a situation where Kyle Farmer is your everyday shortstop or D strange Gordon is your everyday shortstop. Jose Garcia, it would be doing a disservice. If you made that kid, your everyday shortstop, he needs minor league at bats. He needs to get his confidence back at the plate. Um, Cause he was completely overwhelmed. I, I, I just, I, I think, I think you should be very open to that possibility, Rick. So on one side of this, I feel like baseball is baseball, man. You know, like we all came up, all the best guys played multiple positions. It wasn't all that different. Yes, there are some intricacies at the highest level that you got to get used to. And and yes, it's different. And you may not be quite as good at one position as you are at another. But there's plenty of guys throughout the major leagues that have proven they can play multiple positions just fine, whether it be outfield to infield or vice versa or sliding between infield positions. There's plenty of guys who have done it. So on one hand, I just want to say we make way too big a deals out of guys moving around positions and this should be no big thing and it's no problem. The other side of me thinks about Eugenio Suarez is coming off of a slump year. The Reds desperately need him to get back to being the Eugenio Suarez they they signed to a, a big contract a few years ago and and the guy that they they feel like is a, a, cornerstone, a cornerstone of their franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. If they're going to be successful, I just think it feels like an awfully bad time to make up for your incompetence in the offseason and at the GM position and not being able to bring in a shortstop and someone that you trust to be sliding over a Eugenio Suarez, the shortstop position, start screwing with his head and potentially his confidence even more coming into a year where he struggled last year. You really need him to bounce back. I, I just, it concerns me that here, you're doing it this year. That's my and, only and, and, thing. And that is, that is actually a really good point. The only thing I'll counter that with is I think you're right. If the guy balks at it, but if the guy doesn't balk at it and it doesn't sound like he's balking at it. No, he said I'm, he's open to it. Yeah. And that's where I'm listen. If the guy's like, yeah, I'll do it if they need me to do it. I'm really not comfortable there, but sure. Then I think I completely agree with your point. And your point's a good one. It really is. Um, but I think if the guy is open to it and it alleviates some issues on your club, and, and, and maybe it's a day, let, let's just say, uh, let me throw Wade Miley out there. Maybe it's a day where, where the analytics now where Wade Miley is not a strikeout pitcher. He's going to throw 13 ground balls to the, to, to the left side of the infield. So, so maybe that is a day where A. Eugenio doesn't play shortstop and you do need a defensive guy in there. Okay, so that's a that's a day a week, maybe. But other than that, like I said, I mean, you got you got a lot of power of arms on this staff. Yeah. And, and, and and weirdly, I don't I'm not even worried about how it affects the defense, because yeah, I agree with you. I just don't think it matters that much. It's a strikeout walk home run game nowadays. It's more about the pitcher that you have on the mound. I, I'm not as worried about how this impacts their defense. I am worried about how it affects his headspace in general and whether that could carry over to his performance at the plate again. No, that's, leg that's it's, a legit concern. So it's so crucial to this season's success. At the same time, though, I mean, you look at it and it's like, well, I mean, can you afford to 
not move him over there and not get one of those other bats back in the lineup because that probably gives you the best chance to have a, a legit offense this year too. So. Yeah, I mean, are, are we not at the point, honestly, with Nick Senzel where it's sink or swim, get him in there, let's see what he's got or or be done with it? It certainly feels that way. Kind of felt like we were there last year too. I just yeah. I mean, feels like we're in no man's land with Nick Senzel, and I think that maybe speaks more to his. Well, his and the same for Shogo. Point. I mean, did you, did you sign Shogo to be a fourth outfielder? No. No, I, that wasn't the plan. I, well, I, I'm i still fascinated to see what he brings this year. I, I He came on last year, started getting on base a little bit at the end of the yep. season. I'm curious to see if, I mean, that, that dude was going on, undergoing a major transition at the worst possible time in our country's history, potentially. So Right, and, and, may, and maybe that, that the end of the last year, and maybe it is just a blip on the radar, but maybe it was him finally just kind of settling in and figuring it out and and getting into a bit of a, of a, of a groove, for lack of a better term. So, um I, I, I'd be extremely open to this, Rick, just because, like I said, it gets your best – it alleviates your outfield glut. It gets Nick Senzel every day at bats. It gets Shogo every day at bats. And it just gets your best offensive team on the field. And, and to me, I, I think I'd rather be – I'd rather have that than be worried about defense, et cetera. Your point, like I said, is a really good one. But I think the, the overriding thing is it would be an even more important point if the guy was really reluctant to do it. And it doesn't sound like he is. I do agree with that. Yeah. I mean, if, he, if there was any resistance on his part, you, you scratched the right. idea completely right. and he does seem open to it. So yeah, I guess I'm willing to give it a try. I'm not completely opposed to it, but it does make me a bit concerned. Well, yeah. The fact that they don't have a shortstop's the concern. Right. And, and that's what I go about. It's like, it's not your plan. Long-term isn't have a Eugenio Suarez play your shortstop for you. Well, that's a fair point. I mean, I don't think this is going to be, if the, th- this move, isn't going to be for the next five or six years, right? It is an extraordinarily short-term decision. Right. And I just don't know that it's worth messing around with him again for that, because again, right. you were incompetent and in bringing in a shortstop and doing your job <laughs> in the off season. So, all right, let's get into our betting segment where we, well, I started off well, and then just folded down the stretch. It wasn't a good week for either one of us. Once again, well, I was, I, I almost, I almost called you at halftime of the Kentucky game where the total at the time was 80. I think, I think it was 45, 35 Kentucky at the half and said, Rick, I didn't get a chance to go down and make the play, and I'm kicking myself for not being able to go down and play that over. And guess what? It didn't even come close to going over. I uh, know. Uh, I go 4-4 four and four on the week, 6-10 and ten overall. You go 3-5 and five on the week. You're at 6-10 and ten overall now as well. So that brings us to our Friday night game. We've got Tulane at Cincinnati. The Bearcats are a six-point favorite, and the total is 132. Man, as much as I admire what UC continues to do other than the Houston game, um, I just don't think they can beat anybody by a large amount right now. I, I think they win this game, but I think it's going to be like some of those other wins, like literally all the other wins they've had here of late, where even if they get up, they're going to hit a lull. And if they get down, they are going to claw their way back. I'll go UC, UC 70 to 66. So you have got it at 136. You've got Tulane and the over then. Okay. Uh, total is 132 in this one. We're really close on this one. I actually have it the same spread, just a, a basket higher on each side. I've got UC 72, Tulane 68. So I have the I have Tulane and the over as well. And it's the same thing. I, I think UC will win this game, but picking a six-point spread in any UC win just doesn't seem like a reasonable bet at this point Saturday 4 p.m. We've got Florida at Kentucky. The Gators are a one point favorite. The total is 137. I don't think they will be a one point favorite. Do you? 
I don't know. I think the metrics are making this tough on the books because Kentucky's metrics, their, their metrics for the season don't suggest what they are right now. And right. It, that makes it difficult to handicap. It's a big game for Kentucky. I mean, really they sit in, in, the, in the conference, I mean, they've got a chance to maybe elevate themselves into a four seed when all is said and done with the, with the next couple of games. Um, and this is one of the, the final two, and it kind of sucks they didn't get the Texas A&M game on, on Tuesday. It got COVIDed out because I think we can argue that's probably was going to be a win for Kentucky that would have put them at eight and seven. Eight and seven, Kentucky right be tied for sixth in the league, just a game behind Tennessee and just a game and a half behind Florida. So then what magnitude would it place on this game with Florida? Huge magnitude. Um, I, I'm going to take Kentucky. They're, I, I think they're playing well. I, I Again, losing that, that I, I call it a midweek game. It was Tuesday. It was an early week game. It's still kind of an in-the-week game. I think probably hurts them a little bit because they, they felt like they're getting into a nice flow and a nice, nice rhythm. Um, and you, you'd like to keep playing games to reward some of that. Um, but I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm impressed with the turnaround and, um, I, I, I think they get Florida at home here. I don't think Florida's a supremely talented team. Uh, they went to what Georgia the other night got beat outright. Um, and Georgia's not a great team. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Kentucky here. I'll go Kentucky, Kentucky 76, Florida 69. <laughs> uh, funny. I've got Kentucky in this one as well. And we actually have the same score for Florida at 69. We're both big. 69 guys i guess <laughs> i am a kentucky 72 florida 69 so i like uk and the over just like you here um one thing on that total I, I to me that looks like the play in this game I, the way kentucky's been scoring recently and uh florida has gone under the last four games kentucky went over or under the last game but before that kentucky was over for five straight i think the the but, metrics but I'll, are I'll, I'll bet you, Rick, Kentucky, if you took them on, on, on just their total on Saturday, I bet you their total was not at 70. I bet you they went over individually. I mean, Saturday's total going under with Tennessee was was completely Tennessee-related and Kentucky's defense-related. Exactly. And so that's why I look at this and I'm thinking the 137 number seems pretty low. I think that's more based on the, the team's metrics. I, I'm, I like the over in this game. I think that'll be the ultimate play here for me. By the way, if you had if you if you had over 50 last night in the Turpin Oak Hills sectional tournament game, you 28-21 overtime. It was wow. 19 all at the end of regulation. Good God. Same for Cooper Ryle. If you had over 66 in Cooper Ryle last night, you lose 37-28 final. Just thought I'd bring those up for you. High school basketball. It's fantastic. Saturday, 5 p.m., Creighton at Xavier. The Blue Jays are a four-point favorite. The total is 150. Ah, man. I got to think Xavier takes a stand. I got to really? think it. Yeah, really? I got to I got to think it. Wow. I I don't know I got to think you got to think that, but I don't know. I know. I but I just got to think it. I'm trying to play human nature here of backs against the wall at home. Um, I'm not as impressed with Creighton as others are. I mean, I know what their resume shows. I know what they've done and they're going to finish second in the league. And that speaks volumes and they've played what I think they're 13 and four now. Right. So they played, they've almost played their, their max number of games in the league. Um, I think Xavier makes a stand here. I think they get some things going on offense at home. I'll go X 79, 76. So Xavier outright and the over. Uh, I'm we're on the opposite sides of this one. I know, got, we, I know, I know we are. I, I, I'm going with the whole make a stand time. 
Yeah, I I don't like that idea very much. I just don't see the way that this, this savior team, they're going to have to really change some things and turn it around. I don't believe Nate Johnson is going to be back for that game, which makes it tough on them to, to score. And that's the one thing about this Creighton team that I think is really surprised is everyone expected them to be Creighton, you know, really talented offensively and just jack it up there. But they've won a lot of low scoring games this year where they've got it done with their defense. So they're top 40 in defense. It's not great, but it's pretty good. And they're holding teams to 44% from inside the arc, which is 16th in the country. So I, I actually think that this game goes under that. That's the play I really like here. Um, but I'm going to go Creighton 76, Xavier 68. So that's Creighton and the under. Oh, you got Creighton comfortable. Yeah. I, wow. I mean, I just don't. This is a tough I get matchup it. for Xavier. I get, I get it. They have no, right now. Unless, no, I get it. I mean, th- like you said, it, th- if they completely turn it around, then okay, it's a different story. But it's going to have to but be there's not, a and, totally and different it, team that shows up. Yeah, and, and I will say this. Th- there's no proof that they're going to do it. The, the lone win here of late is over a bad Butler team with 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 not even their best guys. I get yeah. it. I'm, and, I'm just I'm playing the, the human nature element of sports here. I'm just saying, you know what? It's take a stand time, man. The first game between these teams was when Xavier was actually playing well. They were coming off the Oklahoma right. and Marquette wins, um, and they really struggled to score against Creighton. That was an ugly 66-61 win for the Blue Jays. Uh, that was at at uh, in Creighton. Omaha, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this one at the Centos, we'll see what happens. But those are our bets for the week. Um, time for some ask any anything. All right, let's do it. All right, we'll start off with a Bengals question. A sports question usually gets us going here. And someone asked, if Skinny could give the Bengals one mulligan since Paul Brown's death, what would it be? Um, For me, it's easy. That Mike Brown took over the reins. Is that a mulligan? (laughs) Well, I mean, I I mean, honestly, that, that, that Paul Brown would have put in his will that he needed to have somebody with that, with genuine football acumen running in the organization. How about okay, that? That, that, that would have been the ultimate one. You're right. That's a better one than what I had in mind. I had a more specific, I, well, like okay. related to the team. Um, There's two, two what, great ones. All right. Yeah, g- give me yours and maybe that'll spark some more for me, but I, I'm, I'm trying to go with macro. I think you're going with a micro decision here, but go ahead. Yeah. The, the micro f- decisions for me would be the, the Steelers game with the fumble oh, and okay, the hit okay, okay, on Antonio okay. Brown. I'd like to have that one back. I thought that team was really good and really had a chance and, and, to make and, a run. Well, and, if you want to take, if you want to take that, that's honestly, it's not really a mulligan, but Andy Dalton getting hurt that year. I mean, as well as he was playing. Um, yeah. Well that, and then that goes back to then the Carson Palmer hit the came of Von Olhoff and, and him yeah, getting correct. hurt. Cause I think that team correct. had a chance to, but I, yeah, I don't know if that, yeah, that defense kind of sucked though. Not as much as that 2014 team did. That 2014 team was pretty darn good, and that offense was really, really good. I agree. Um, that's that, that's a pretty good one. And and let's face it too, the 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 monk just the that that eases a lot of burden for everybody. It just does. I mean, because now it's no matter how you do it. I'm a jackass enough to keep doing it. I mean, back in January, I did the hey, if you took out a mortgage 30 years ago, congratulations. Today's the day you paid it off, and also today's the day 30 years ago when the Bengals last won a playoff game. It's a fact. And so that that would have changed some of the narrative of that. It would have changed Marvin Lewis's narrative. If Andy had been the one to win that game, it would have changed Andy's narrative. Um, that's that's a good that's a good specific one. But I'm going to go back to if you're going back to Paul Brown's death, having some bona fides run the organization that it had to be out of family control. Family can own it. Sure. It's still their team. They can own it. They can sit on the side and own it. But you get other football people to run it. That would have been nice. Wish wish we could have done that. 
which bedroom posters make teenage skinnies hall of fame? Um, was I still a teenager then? Yeah. Well, there's no question. Everybody, everybody of my ilk had the Farrah Fawcett poster. Yeah. Um, there, there's no question, but I had one too. And I, I, I don't think I was a teenager. I think I was literally just the summer when I turned 20, Jennifer Beals in flash dance had just this incredible poster. And she was just, she, she's still, she's, she's in her fifties now. She's still beautiful. Um, but back then, man, she just, there was just something about her in, in the, in that movie. And that, I had it on my, my wall in college. Um, and I think I had just turned 20. So I guess technically I wasn't a teenager, but, uh, but those are the two for me. I had a bunch of sports pennants up in, in my room at home too, but, uh, I did have the Farrah Fawcett poster just like everybody else did. I feel like the pinup posters thing was, a uh, generational thing. I don't yeah. feel like I had any friends that ever did that. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody had, did, I mean, do, do, are those even made anymore? Yeah. I don't, I don't think you, yeah. I don't really know that they do that unless you're really seeking it out. Like uh sports illustrated swimsuit. <laughs> and, you, and, and, and you know why you don't need it? Because, because there's, there's just porn online. I was going to say it's, it's free. It's there. And, and you can go get it yourself. Kids, exactly. Kids aren't hanging up posters and looking at I mean, back in, the, back in the day it was, it was thumbing through your dad's playboy or penthouse, man. It was, you know, or you could eventually go buy it yourself, but uh you don't even do that anymore. I, I will say I do have a bunch of, and I, I, I'm not a big keepsake guy, but I, I keep certain things. I've, you know, I keep some, some, programs from certain events um but i do have a bunch of the sports illustrated swimsuit issues i've kept over the years and i've kept some other sports illustrated issues as commemoratives just because um i, I just always I, I always love the work of sports illustrated but those those swimsuit issues i've kept but yeah those were those that was like a, that was a big deal when the when the when the uh when the jc panty catalog would come along for for christmas and you thumb through it to to get to the lingerie section for goodness sakes i mean so th- times have very much changed in that regard rick congrats on the self-love yeah, yep. the the uh yeah, there's no more late at night looking up at your your wall. It's now you put the covers over your head and pull out yourself in. I would assume if you're a middle schooler now. Or there you go. Yeah, exactly. Good. I mean, they they've got they've got some great advantages that we did not have. But to answer the the question, yeah, the Fair Fawcett one, and then for sure Jennifer Beals in Flashdance. That was. Whew. I think the Hall of Fame for my era, like the number one that I can think of, every guy that had some type of setup with posters had the Scarface poster. Oh yeah, black and I remember that one. Yeah. Absolutely, every it's, single believe it, it has been on, um, I, I, like the Stars Networks. Always, it's been on the last couple of days. And I, I there's the two of my favorite scenes are when he shoots the cop. Do your best, um, and then best yeah. <laughs> I, I'm terrible at it, but I, I still it. love. I still love the the, the one. The, my favorite scene is when he's he he's he's killing his rival, and then the cop Mel's in there, and and when the cop tells him. Uh, yeah, I, I told him, man, you know, I, I, I told him he shouldn't, uh, he shouldn't have crossed you. Um, and he said, he, he shoots him in the gut and he goes, you can't shoot a cop. Whoever says you was a cop, Mel. So long, Mel. See you in the resurrection. <laughs> boop, boop. That was pretty good. Pretty good. I like, I like this. So long, Mel. We used to do that in, 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 at the post in sports. We would always pull out that in the Kaiser Soze. We, we love the Kaiser Soze, uh, uh, impersonations too. So we would, we would do all those, but I, I, I yeah, the, the Scarface where he shoots the cop is one of my favorites. I love it. All right. So long, Mel. I, our guy, Dave wants to know more annoying softball guy or workout guy. Well, I was never workout guy. I was softball guy, but I wasn't softball guy that, um, that brought my full bag of, of stuff. I imagine um, there were a few times that you were a softball guy that was on the field fighting with people though. <laughs> 
No, I, I no, no, I really didn't. I, I, I don't I, believe that for a second. No, true. I, I really didn't. I, I got mad at teammates on occasion, but, but. Well, that not, I think, yeah, I think that would be included. I will say there was, <laughs> I, I still remember, and I, thank goodness I got into the fight before it start, really got going, but there was a tournament I remember playing on a Sunday morning at Rumpke where our shortstop Donnie West just got upended on a double. And I mean, dirty upended. In fact, had to get taken to the hospital because he did a full, full-fledged flip when a guy took him out on a double play and that started a pretty good brawl that uh, that again like i said i was just i was just a hair late for thank goodness because no really one much of has ever sounded more like the shortstop of a softball team that plays competitively than a guy named donnie west that just i mean that just sounds like he, a softball he was a good player he, he, he was a good player. oh yeah he was a really, a good, really good one yeah I, I could i can already tell just the name donnie west is like yeah that guy is a stud like was probably a good high school athlete then put on a few pounds, but just still killed. No, it like no, still in, still, no, he was still in great shape. And I mean, when I tell you he had a cannon for, I mean, he, he had one of those arms where I just look and go, you know, I got as good a hands as he's got. I probably got even more range than he's got, but my goodness, can he fire? I, I, I'd have to take a five day running head start to throw it as hard as he can. Donnie with the strong arm. Don, Donnie. Yeah. But I, I still, dude, I've never seen a guy get taken out at any level like that cat got taken out of that double play. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, but softball well, guy with all the bags and the 60 bats. I had my own bat just because I like my own bat, right? So I'd bring my bat, my glove. I, I didn't wear pants unless it was like really, really cold. I wore shorts. So yeah, I yeah, softball guy can be annoying, but workout guy with headband and just doesn't look the part. And I do appreciate the fact he's trying to get in some shape. I do. I like that. And in fact, I saw that guy last night, believe it or not. I I stopped at uh, uh, after my basketball game last night. I stopped to, to to get a beverage on the way home, and and there's a fitness center right next to it. And and old boy was coming out of there with the headband and the sock, the knee high socks with the shorts. That just is a bad look. Just it's just a bad look. Wear footies at least. <laughs> footies. Uh, I I don't have an issue with workout guy too much. I mean, we all know there's occasionally the guy in the gym is like grunting or staring at himself in the mirror too long or whatever that there's some weirdos that you run into at the gym for sure but for the most part everyone's there trying to better themselves it's whatever you really can't go wrong if you're working out softball guys i just gotta say this if you are playing softball as an adult competitively i don't have an issue with it but if you are fighting with people are yeah i'm not yeah over it getting mad about it throwing fits like you are a loser honest to god you are a loser and that's like 80 percent of the guys who play slow pitch softball unfortunately and it's not just like at the competitive levels where they play in the tournaments and stuff i've subbed for church leagues that with nothing but terrible players everyone there absolutely sucked and there are guys arguing over calls looking for walks I mean, there isn't even a home run limit in this league, and guys would be up there looking for walks. If you're in a slow-pitch softball league without a home run limit and you're not trying to hit the ball as far as you can every time, you're a loser. I, like, I will say what this. What are you doing? I, I never look for walks, but I, 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 I took a few in my day. The things that ever happened in most softball leagues was when they went to the 2-1 count, where you started with the automatic 2-1 count. That, that, that sped things up so much because then the pitcher had to throw a striker and suddenly 3-1. Um, and then if you took a strike, then suddenly you're down in the hole and I think you got one free foul. And if you foul another one, you're out. So oh, that, that's my I, other. I, I thought that was a, I thought that was a great invention. That's my that's my other favorite thing. When I when I say this from time to time about the softball guys and how they all suck and they're just washed up high school athletes, uh, someone oh, it never fails. Like, dude, you just don't get it. 
you, you don't understand how much pitchers can actually do at the highest levels where they, they move around they on can. the rubber and they put and they can. On. Dude, it's a six foot f-ing arc. It is not hard to hit. It is slow pitch softball. I don't care how far he moved over to six inches to the right and, and, and hung off the rubber. I don't care that he leaned out and put backspin on it or what have you. Like you guys are fucking clowns that are doing that. It is slow pitch softball. It's not a real sport. It's like playing froth. It's fun. You should go out, get intoxicated while you do it and have a good time. But you guys who take it seriously are fucking clowns. I took it pretty seriously, but I never got in fights. All right. Uh, what's the most pissed off skinny has been during the two angry guys era. I can remember a moment, but want to hear it from skinny. Oh man, I wish you could. What, did, does he tell you the moment? No, he didn't say what it was. He just wants to hear your your moment. I guess. Boy, I I I know one time I cursed at Tom. This is on the, the heels of your eruption on Sunday night in the college yes, basketball yeah, podcast. By the yeah, way, I correct. think that's what spurred this. I'm sure it did. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure there were some moments. I, I can't honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember other than than one time he said something that I remember. I said was BS on the air. Of course, shouldn't have said that, and then just walked out of the walked out of the studio for a bit. Didn't come back for a segment. <laughs> what what would you talk what were you talking about do you remember i have no idea i remember back at heck this is probably 2001 2002 20 years ago i, I but it was sports don't. related um i don't even know if it was sports related it was something that, <laughs> that i just remember that's absolute bs he wouldn't take no for an answer and i just said i said you know what then you do the rest of the show see ya and i did yeah, i walked out of the studio <laughs> i love that. that that dynamic just had to be unbelievable to be in there with you guys every day uh, he, yeah, I, with, with my fuse and, and, and his attention span, it was, it was, it was quite the blank show as you, you can imagine. No, but, this uh, is off, also your fuse. What? 20 years we're, ago. We're still friends to this day though. So there's that. Yeah. I think you've mellowed in your old age a bit, believe it or not, despite I have. what you did. I probably Sunday have. Night. Yeah. Yeah. I probably have. I just, I have a, I have a, I have one of those. I, I, I can, I, I will say I do have a, a fuse and I, I've, I've told my players that cause they've seen it on occasion. This is this is this this was not an angry guy's one, but I had one um because we can't go into a locker room now at halftime of games at home, we go into our auxiliary gym. This has happened twice this year. And we I just I've had I've got a team that that um it, it just struggles with consistency and it and sometimes with toughness, and I'm I'm that guy, right? So I can't remember halftime of a game. We were we we just weren't very tough and we didn't finish the half very well. And so they're in there and I'm on full, I'm about to go on full tilt and I storm into the, into the auxiliary gym. And before I could really say what I wanted to say, I peeked out of the corner of my eye and there they are the fifth grade girls basketball team practicing. So all I could do was I just yelled finish. All of a sudden I heard the coach go, girls, let's get a drink. So I saw her the following Saturday and I went up, I said, coach, I'm, and she played college basketball. I said, coach, I'm sorry. I, 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 she goes, I thought you were pretty composed. She goes, the way you let that out, I'm sure there was more you wanted to say. I said, oh yeah. She goes, trust me. I've heard it before. I said, yeah, but your girls were in there. And she goes, she goes, no, no. She goes, I, that's why I sent them for a drink. I realized that you probably needed to go on full tilt. I said, I did. So then secondarily to that was another game where the varsity was finishing up practice. So they're sitting on the bleachers as my team comes in. And I go on full tilt and I pointed to them. I said, hey, they've seen this before. This is nothing new for them. I said, and this isn't even me at my Madison. And I pointed at one of them. I said, you've seen me at my Madison. He goes, yeah, has he thrown his bag at you yet? 
<laughs> you can tell the players like, no, because I did one game. I came in a locker room and just sailed my bag across the room and told them I'm tired of caring about it more than you care about it. And it's usually the, it's usually the one really good coming to Jesus moment you have as a coach every year. And they usually respond from it. But yeah, I, I, I still have those moments where I can go on full tilt with that. And like a meltdown I had on Sunday night. Yeah, it was fantastic. It truly was. We, it was like vintage skinny being an angry guy. That's, that's where you got the name right there. Yeah, I snapped. Yeah, that was fantastic stuff. All right. Uh, how much is too much to pay for a haircut? Oh, anything over 20 bucks. I go to the, I'm a big league cuts guy, and I think it's $17 with a tip 22. So, yeah, anything over 20 without the tip. What do you, right. what, 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 what say you, Rick? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't need to go to a hairstylist. Well, your guy, Judd Demusi goes to Roosters and Marymont, says he pays 28 32 with a tip. Wow. So he, he only t- he tips less than I tip for more of a haircut. Well, hmm. I don't want to call him out for being a bad tipper. I think that's, no, what that's about, maybe that's close more. to, that's, that's close to 20%, I guess that, that yeah, yeah, that's close to 20%. Yeah. I think any, anything over 20 bucks for a haircut, man. I well, mean, plus, just, it, plus, it takes, don't you it, want to look better than Jed if you're paying extra? That's, that's a legit point too. Oh, he's got a nice head of hair. He does have a nice head of hair. I got to give him, I got to give him props for that. I just feel good at my age that I still have all my hair. So that, I, I feel good about that. Yeah, both both you and Jed are, do have pretty nice lettuce. I'll I'll give you that. the The local twelve lettuce department is not bad in sports. Um, Gary's got yeah. Gary's got his lettuce still. Chris, Chris has, has yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's got good strong hairlines in the local twelve. Yeah. Good good department. call. That's what we hang our hat on, literally. <laughs> yes, literally. Uh, does Skinny eat a lot of spam? Um, no. In fact, the only time I had it, I couldn't stand it. I know some people swear by it, and I got to give them props. They're commercial. Makes you look like, well, that really is probably good. Fry that up and, and put it on, you know, put it with some other stuff. It's probably, probably a little good breakfast meat, but it's just one of those ones. The first time I had it, I just didn't like it. And you know how that can be. First impressions, you just don't go back to a food that maybe you're like, I should have gone back to that. Everybody says it's really good. I'll be like tomatoes. The first time I remember having tomatoes as a kid, I couldn't stand it today. I can't have a, 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 a burger without a tomato on it or even just eat it. I, my, my favorite salad is that Caprizi salad with the, you know, the mozzarella cheese on top of a yeah. fresh tomato with, with the, with the uh, drizzled balsamic. Oh man, that that's awesome. But yeah, my first impression of tomato was ick, but my first impression of spam. No, but I, I do know people who swear by it. You know what you need to do. You need to have it's like Nutella. Do you eat Nutella? No, I'm not a sweet guy. Really? My, my, my daughter love my youngest daughter loves new. I, I, she loves, she likes avocado, avocado toast. I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're going to get to more of that in a second, but you do need to ask your daughter to make uh, you, you need to tell her to make the TikTok dish with the tomatoes and the feta cheese for you, because okay. it sounds like it would be right up your alley and she'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It went super I'm sure viral. Yeah, okay. we, we just had it the other night and it's just like routine uh, pasta, feta cheese, tomatoes. Ooh. Little, okay. Little seasoning, okay. little garlic, whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, she actually, so. she's not been home for the semester yet. She's actually coming home. Uh, week ne- not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. I'm going to have her make it. She'll know. She'll know exactly okay. what I'm talking about. All right. All okay. right. Uh, on that note, thoughts on healthy food replacements. Examples, sweet potato buns, chickpea pasta, cassava flour, tortilla chips. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Cauliflower rice, impossible foods, beyond meat. What, what say you about those, Skinny? No, thank you. Look, if I'm going to eat a burger, I want it to be, I want it to be meat. I, I do. I did. I did taste the 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 when when burger king came out with their with their meatless burger it, it did taste like a burger but i just realized i'm not eating meat at that point there's just no um 
yeah, I don't want cauliflower dough on my pizza. I want regular dough on my pizza. No, I'm not a big replacement food guy. Give me the real stuff or, you know, white, rice, white rice, just regular good old white rice. Um, the, the Asians have sworn by it for years and they have long lifespan. So maybe that's probably better for you than the cauliflower rice. So, I mean, come on now. I just give me the white rice. I'm good with it. I don't want any of the replacement stuff. I, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, I think just eat cleaner on the, you know, eat normal things, but eat clean. If you, if you want to do that, I don't think you need to eat all that weird. Yeah. Stuff. And the one thing I, I is, yeah, is, is you, if you've all, yeah, I think I've talked about this. I'm not a big, big snack food guy. Um, you know, we've talked about that. I, I, when, when, since I've fallen in love with the burnt cheese, it's um, that's, that, that, that's actually kind of become a replacement lunch at times because they're just, I feel like I'm eating a, a, a nice cheese sandwich at that point. So I'm good. That's, that's lunch. But other than that, no, I don't No, no, none of those replacement foods. No, thank you. I don't want some kind of, if it's going to be ice cream, just make it ice cream. I, I don't need some replacement ice cream. Or I did like, like back in the day when you had the, the frozen yogurt places, I thought those were pretty good, but I also like yogurt. Funny part is I, I eat a lot of yogurt. I don't do it for, I, I actually like yogurt. I like strawberry yogurt. I just like it. It's not because I'm trying to eat healthy. I just like it. I always laugh. I've never tried them, obviously, but I uh, always laugh when I see people eating the veggie straws. I have no idea. Maybe they're great. I I don't even know, but I just always laugh. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> what the hell is that? It looks ridiculous. Just like have a potato chip or maybe just don't eat it at all. You know what I or, mean? Or, like, or, have, or have a regular carrot. How about yeah, just like have some, some celery. carrot or celery? Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm good just with that. Ranch. I, I, I do that. Yeah, I do yeah. that all the time. All right, uh, we'll wrap it up with this. this. This is more geared towards you, but I'm sure Skinny has some takes too. Favorite post-loss message board post or favorite fan reactions after a loss? Skinny, yeah, I want to hear yours. Yeah, well, I, yours are, yours going to be better than mine. My, my The thing that cracks me up, and this is universal, I see it going on Chad's boards, going on my board, is... Uh, Hire the coach! Well, there's that, and that's always ridiculous and it's unfortunate because it's like when people jump to that and we have to have that conversation instead of actually talking about the interesting things going on right now, like in Xavier basketball, there's a lot of questions that need to be discussed going forward about their, their defense. So some of the stuff we talked about at the top of this podcast, you know, and we don't be answered with a new coach because people are arguing about firing the coach or not, which is like absurd. You're never going to have a chance as a program. If you just keep turning over your coach. Um, But the the my favorite reaction is the guys who come on the message board and they feel it is their duty to set the standard for the program right like like no one else is being as analytical or as serious about it as they are because they're the one who keeps calling out that the coach deserves to be criticized or this is unacceptable or we are not this type of program it's like who are you saying that for no one here needs to hear that. We all understand that you want to make the NCAA tournament. We all understand that Xavier has higher standards. We all understand that the coach deserves criticism. In fact, it's pretty much all we do on this board. So, like, what are we talking about that people are accepting mediocrity or they're, they're, uh, the, the standard is falling? Like, you guys sound so stupid. It makes no sense. That That is my favorite fan reaction after losses, is that the guy who has to come on and set the standard for the program on a message board or on that's Twitter. A good, yeah, that, that's a pretty good one. That, that, those, those are funny ones. There's no question. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much irrationality out there that at times that you just you, you got to kind of tune it out. I know you can't on a message board because you kind of run it, but sometimes you just got to tune it out, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I – pretty much don't even respond in post game threads for the most part. I just let them run their course. And then I post my content <laughs> over top later on. So 
probably the right. That's probably the right way to go with that. For goodness sakes, that's all you can really do at this point. But yeah, yeah I mean, call. it's a, there's there's a lot of interesting things to be discussed, and there are a lot of smart fans on these message boards. That there's some really good stuff if you're willing to dig through it. But man, after a loss like uh, what Xavier and UC have experienced recently, it's um it's not a fun place to be. I, I told you I was I broadcast the game early the other night, and I got in my car was listening to our friend Lance McAllister on Sports Talk. I guess it was Monday night. Um, yeah, it was Monday night because I broadcast the game at five. So I was in and and I actually called him during a break because I, I couldn't believe the irrationality of all the people who were wanting John Brandon fired. I'm thinking, what, what, is that where we are with all this? Is are we, I mean, what a, a year and 15 games in and you've had enough after a year in which they might have made the NCAA tournament. And, and then um, and then this year where you've just had all kinds of goofy stuff happen and he's battling back to this. There, there's no question Sunday was ugly, right? There's no question about that, but you're going to jump to get him fired. Come on. Talk yeah. about irrational. Whoa. Well, it's just the, the thing is you're. Well, I, I love the, I love the one guy. There's one guy that called. That's why I called Lance. I said, he said, yeah, you know what? Bob Hogan team to final fours. And I said, wait a minute. And again, I'm not besmirching what Bob Huggins did. He should be a hall of famer. His resume over time has spoken for itself. What he did to change UC's program. He deserves a lot of credit. But there weren't final fours. There was a final four. Yeah, and I, I don't re- know if you remember, but like on this way out the door, everyone was complaining about the fact that he couldn't get past the second round of the tournament. Right, right. Like that was he was that guy before Mick was that guy. Right. No, I mean, no, you're right. I mean, it, yeah. I, it's just ugh, man, oh man. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, you're, you're talking about programs who like. On Xavier's side, they're they're spending like in the bottom half of the the Big East after moving up significant levels in conference, you know, in, in the last several years. Right. They, um, you know, they they are not like they have been on the bubble more often, more seasons than not in their history. Like most years, they are on the bubble, not off the bubble. And yet, right. fans have this expectation of like every year they should be a top four seed. And they should dominate the Big East. It's like they're the second winningest program in the Big East since joining it after Villanova. I don't know, like pretty good. Yeah, and it's like granted, Travis Steele has to get things figured out and move forward. But there was always going to be a rebuilding process, same as UC is going to undergo under John Brannon, and then we'll assess them at that point when, like, when they're through that. But I mean, if people that want to fire coaches two years in, if you want to do that at the college level, this isn't the NFL, guys. Recruiting is the name of the game at the, in That's college right. sports, especially in college basketball. If you're going to just keep changing coaches and screwing yourself in recruiting and restarting, you're never going to get good. It's not, and, and I'll it's be not, I'll it's be not frank. On the GM, you know. Do you know why? And do you know why you see for the last three decades has been a pretty damn good program? Because they basically had two coaches. Yeah, yeah they've, they've had, had two coaches at the head coach spot. Yeah, I mean, the, the only blip was 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 from Huggins to Andy Kennedy into into Mick that first year when literally that's that's what happened. They weren't able to recruit. And what happened to Mick's first team? He started a six five guy at center, and they were terrible. And it wasn't his fault. It was that that's what happens when you do those kind of things. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what level you're at for the most part, except like maybe the four blue bloods that we talk about. It's you change your coach. Guys are going to leave. They're going to go with that new coach to his new school. Recruits are going to check out and go somewhere else. You're going to have a totally missed recruiting cycle. And then that first year with the new staff is going to be a really difficult one in recruiting. Well, so and then, and you're going to start the, kind of two years behind. Yeah. And then the other part to that too, Rick, is this. If you become known as a school that's consistently changing coaches that quickly, 
guess what other schools are going to do to you? They're going to recruit against you going, well, yeah, you may like his program, but if he doesn't win right away, buddy, he ain't going to be there for you. Sure. I mean, yeah, you, I don't, mean, you don't and, want to have that reputation either. Well, and you're not going to get the best candidates to come there. But, well, I mean, there's that too. Yes, good point. Yes. But yeah, no, good, I mean, I don't point. think, uh, certainly on the Xavier side, I know Greg Christopher isn't that silly. And I don't think on the UC side, you know, the administration is no, there's no way about anything like that. No, um, if, if nothing else, just because of the buyout situation, they're not going right. to be paying that money. So not, these not guys issue, have yeah. some time, but it's just like, I don't understand why fans are even fans. Like they're, they're never happy with their program. They're always pissed off at them. And they are so the, the vitriol that's spewed in the direction of these guys. It's like, why would you need opponents? There's no trash talking anymore be, between teams. They just trash talk themselves. They just uh, you know, crush got, their own guys on social media. It's wild. We've gotten sidetracked on this topic at the end, but I'll, I'll bring another part of it up. I mean, do you think the money that coaches are making nowadays has a lot to do with it? That you, the expectation level is you're making a bunch of money, buddy. You better get it right fast. Nah, I mean, I like, don't get me wrong. There, there is some of that aspect and people use that, but I just think it's how we are with everything in society and culture today. I, just think it's the way things have gone. Yeah. And it's always been like that to a certain extent. People always loved bitching about their teams and complaining about the coach. It's always, you know, you've got to point the finger at somebody. So it's not like this is entirely new, but we've gotten to the the discourse in our country with everything is so polarized that there's just no in between on anything. Now it's immediately it's fire this guy and he sucks or he's and, the and, best and ever and go put him in the hall of fame. And that's why I find myself watching more and more golf. Cause you know what? It's just you against the course. That's all and it the is. weather it's channel. You. You and the weather channel. Yeah. Cause it's yep. just, you know what? There's no, there's no complaining about anything. They're just, Hey, we're reporting live from this site where there might be a snowstorm or a rainstorm or whatever. And it just, it calms me into the day, brother. That's all I can tell you. I ease into the day. I hear you fired up as the day goes along. All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> Good stuff. I appreciate it. Rick as always uh, for uh, Rick Broering. I'm Richard Skinner. We'll be back on uh, Sunday. Uh, a little drop overnight, Sunday night into money with our weekly college basketball podcast, myself, Rick and Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. So, uh, Hopefully you will tune in for that. We'll have another edition of this next week in the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Code 3 edition. <laughs>